I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my buddy, Chief John Salka, and we are back with another episode, uh, another topic that uh, a lot of you have asked about uh, in some of our classes and some of our uh, uh, goings-on out there and everything else. But uh, real quick, John, um, I know we're still working our way through this whole COVID thing. Uh, How are things on your end with uh, South Blooming Grove and I know we kind of get a little update each time we try to do these once in a while, but uh, uh, we just did a show with Chief Bobby Halt, and we talked a lot about this. But you guys uh, faring well there in, in in Orange County, New York? I guess you could just call it status quo. It's uh, not too many things changing. I, m- I must admit, um, my personal, you know, my personal uh, viewpoint is that it seems to be very much under control in lots of places. I guess there are some places more so than others, but um, in spite of that fact, a lot of the uh, precautions are still in place, which I guess I guess is a good idea. I tell people all the time, if your house is on fire, please call me. It's something I'm pretty well versed in and I can help you. I can't really help you too much with COVID and, and I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not sure how much longer these, uh, these precautions have to go on uh, in contact with, with lots of people over the course of a day or a week, you know, we're all wearing masks in public and we're all, you know, social distancing. And it just seems to me like it's a, um, sometimes it feels like it's an exercise in futility. On the other hand, where, where I am right now, the numbers are infinitesimally low, which is great news. Um, I, I saw a gal on Facebook wrote a little, a little, her little opinion the other day. It was actually small, bigger than a little opinion. It was pr- pretty large, about 10 paragraphs. And, and her whole point was, so, so when is this over? So, so what is the success point? What, what, what is the finish line? Is it zero? Is it zero? Nobody, when we have a flat line in every state, nobody's, nobody's you know, getting the disease or po- testing positive. Well, let me interrupt. What's the, re- what's the reality of that? I mean, come on. That, really? That's I what mean, I'm saying. Yeah. So, don't, you know, when you're on a trip, don't you have to know where you're going? <laughs> it, it, it should be. This should be a this should be a finish line, a delineated finish line. When we get to this, everything is back open, you know. And we're going to try and maybe institute some, maybe some longer term protections or precautions. But this is what we're shooting for. But nobody really knows what we're shooting for, you know. Cuomo is still adding states to to New York State's list of states where if you visit, you have to quarantine when you come home. And we're down to like five people dying overnight, you know. Well, and I, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. I'm like, God, you know, you know how much we love New York City. We love New York and coming to visit you and Don and the family and, and uh, you know, going into Manhattan and going to plays and stuff and dinner and all that. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up in a couple months and then you have Christmas. I mean, 
that is just going to kill those businesses. If you're coming from out of state and you have to self quarantine for 14 days, driving or flying, I just, golly, man. I mean, I know, and I know we're, you know, like you said, it's horrible. A lot of people have died. And I know we keep talking about the flu too, but you know, you start off by saying it so perfectly. What, what's the finish line? What are we, you know, I guess the big thing is we got to get a vaccine. You know, if we didn't have any vac- if we didn't have vaccines for the flu, we'd be doing the same thing. You know, I mean, it would be, you know, and, but, but then when you look at the facts of how many people take the flu vaccine and there's only so many vaccines that work against so many strains. So who knows, buddy? I just, uh, but you guys have been, crazy, crazy. you guys have been knocking off, you know, drills and doing things and guys are, you know, running just fine. I know here, uh, I've been kind of hanging with the, you know, Wichita West, uh, uh, volunteers and the guys and gals there and just hanging out with them. And it, it's kind of a nice adrenaline rush for me. You know, I'm having fun just sitting there going through the basics and listening to all that stuff. Um, uh, and they're, they're doing drills, they're doing their things. And, uh, uh, but for, for our listeners, you know, if you get a chance, make a little donation, your local volunteer fire department, because a lot of their fundraisers are taking a hit right now because they can't do mass gatherings a lot of places. So True. if you get True. a chance, you know what, write a check, do something, you know, drop them off some cleaning supplies, buy them something, but uh, take care of them. But hey, um, how about for today's topic, John? Like I said, we've, we've, we've had plenty of people ask about this one before. We talk about this um, in our Firehouse Scenarios class and in our first due officer in the Company Officer Academy um, is the deck gun. And uh, it, it, interesting enough, I, I, I showed a friend of mine a video from New York City um, I think it was in the Bronx. Yeah, it was in the Bronx. And uh, second, third floor fire, um, you, know, te- you know, businesses, you know, uh, you know, apartments and all that stuff, a business on the first floor. And they pulled up and they went to work and they did their thing. And we were talking about, you know, whether you hit it from the outside or not. And I said, well, you know, and, and I've been with you enough and watched enough. Same thing in Chicago. If, if it's, if you've got one frame well involved and it's communicating to one on each side and fires through the roof and, you know, you guys are going to have to go with a large caliber stream offensive attack. Um, you know, I, I know you guys aren't hesitant to use the deck gun, but if it's a couple rooms going or whatever, a floor, you guys are going to get after it. But a lot of, a lot of people, John, aren't sure. I, I think I say this, a lot of the discussions, you can see the uncertainty of when should they use the deck gun, when should they use the deck gun, worried about running out of water and all that stuff. So I guess maybe let's just talk about, you know, when you would use it and then maybe some of the steps that we've talked about in class before um, when it comes to it. Uh, uh, so let me ask you this, your first, your first thoughts on, let's talk size up like we always do first. You're pulling up. Um, we could, we could separate it between you got a, you got a two story frame rocking and rolling fire out the windows, maybe through the roof or whatever exposure problems or what, you know, that kind of thing versus you got fire out a couple windows um, of that same building versus we could talk commercial. What are your thoughts on when to and when not to use the deck gun? I guess that's the first thought, John. You know, talk about a tough question, right? I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like saying, you know, a cop pulling up to a, to a, to a robbery in progress. When do you, when do you grab the shotgun and when do you use the pistol? I mean, both of them, both of them can get the job done, right? And, and the same thing here. There are times when obviously the deck gun is is absolutely necessary. Like you said, you pull up, one building is fully involved from stem to stern, starting to maybe even communicating already to the two adjacent houses, maybe a driveway or a little bit more than a driveway apart. 
if if you don't get water on both of those buildings, you're going to have three buildings on fire here in a minute, right. or maybe three buildings burned down. So a deck gun would certainly be a great choice because you can hit boop, one, you can sweep across, boom, hit the other, and then you can darken the fire down all from one position, you know, without even getting dressed, theoretically, without even putting gear on. You can jump on top of the rig and you can get a lot of work done. The, 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 the machine, the, the, uh, the piece of equipment, the deck gun has a wide scrub area. You can go, you can probably, you can probably reach two buildings down from the front of the fire building for lack of, you know, trees or, or vehicles uh, impeding the flow of the stream. But, but there are a lot of times where I see, you know, YouTube videos and training videos and, and Facebook videos. There's a lot of times I see people resort to the deck gun where my personal opinion is they, they should be stretching a line through the front door and right. making this an interior attack. Right. Does it make it wrong? Absolutely not. Now, maybe in my world on that day, looking at that, I'd say, no, 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 no. Okay, guys. Shut that down and get that line inside. That doesn't make it wrong for the players at that scene. Maybe that day, maybe they only get two guys on the rig or three guys. And maybe – so there are so many variables, really, and that being one of them, staffing. you 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 got three guys on every rig in your city, and they're, they're, a, they're a big, organized, class one urban fire departments that have three guys on a rig, one guy in the back, sometimes two, but most of the time one guy in the back. You know, and, and they got 12 engines, 15 engines. And they're still arriving with one working firefighter along with a captain, right? Uh, who knows? Maybe in some of those places, you, you got to resort to the deck gun. Boom, give it a knockdown, shut it, and, you know, the front, the, the line's waiting for you at the front door. And then you move in and make, make an interior attack. So, so, gosh, the answer is, how the hell do I know? I have no damn idea. You know, <laughs> I know what I would do. I know what Rick would do. I know what, you know, a lot of people would do. But a lot of people would do different things, and a lot of them would be correct for that situation, God, it sounds like such a cop. Well, that no, but, but, but no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause you and I've said it plenty of times when we've been asked these questions on several different tactical uh, uh, platforms is you and I both said it, I guess maybe you got to show me the fire, show me the fire, show me the building and I can make a better decision. Cause like you said, a thousand times, every fire is different. You know, every scene's different, everything from accessibility to, what's burning to that type of occupancy. I mean, there's a hundred things we need to be concerned with that. So, but, but I, yeah, and I, and I wanted you to hit just like you did, John, cause a lot of guys are like, well, when do I, when do I not? I'm like, well, there's, and I've said the same thing. There's not really an easy answer for that. Each, each fire, you know, kind of dictates to you um, what you need to do when you pull up and, 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 and staffing's a big issue. How much water you have is a big issue. And, and like you said, if you've got a frame and it's rocking and rolling and you said, I've heard you say this a ton of times, if you pull up and there's one building on fire, when you, when you get done, you leave, there should only have been one building on fire. So in some cases you have three people about the time, maybe you stretch a line, get, you know, whatever, or, or do what you got to do. If you want to do it, maybe the best thing is to hit it with the deck gun, slow it down knock that it'll knock down a, a crap load of fire you know do what you got to do to give yourself a chance to do a little catching up because we're always behind the eight ball so i liked how you brought that up because and here but now here's another interesting point that we have not even mentioned yet and and not that it just came to my mind but so now what about life what about those same exact situations that you and i both just went through what about uh engine one be advised we're not going to report of possibly a child trapped in in the second floor bedroom. That changes the whole scenario. Now a fire where you'd be absolutely 100% right to 
to dump the booster into the front windows and dunk the whole first floor down, now suddenly you have a life in danger. Now suddenly you think, gee, maybe we're going to have to Maybe we're going to have to do an interior attack on this thing. Maybe we're going to have to go in with a hose line and see if we can penetrate to where this person is reported and maybe extinguish some fire at the same time. Maybe just as a life-saving, um, you know, of course, this is for departments maybe that don't have a truck that's doing a separate search. Or even if it does, but, you know, your search team might have to get in there right away and there might not be time to be doing deck guns and then stretching a line. You might have to get a line to the front door and move in well, with the search team. And this, you know? this goes back to what we're doing right now, and that's sitting at the kitchen table at South Blooming Grove, where you're at, where you're chief at, you know, at Wichita West, with Ryan and his guys here, at, at Fort Worth and Louisville, and going, okay, guys, and I, with maybe with a dry erase board or a piece of paper, let's talk about this. Let's let's and and, and how many different scenarios can we play out? Because we've talked about that. There's no one fire. You said there's no one, you know. So let's talk about just what you said. Just all right, guys. All right, that's great. We pull up and there's fire blowing out the windows. Just working through it. You know, you got exposure lighting off on each side. You know, you got to give yourself a chance. Uh, wait a minute. Okay, we talked through that one. Now let's talk about if dispatch says you have somebody. And just like you said it, that changes things dramatically um, as to whether you use it at all or whether you use it very abruptly, very short, boom, knock it, you know, whatever. Or maybe you do nothing more than hit, maybe, you know, you, you maybe it's, it's it, there's a, the ability to slow it down from roof to roof or something like that. Um, we will do that in the past. But let me ask you this before we get too far into this. Your thoughts, John, I know where I, I, I feel on this. You see all the pumpers, we travel, you see the deck guns, just like I've never understood on a ladder pipe or a tower ladder or a snorkel, why you would put a fog nozzle on a master stream device. First of all, I've never liked somebody who parks a million dollar rig as an exposure thing, like for when a tank, you know, to c control a, a, a tank that's getting ready to blow. I've seen people do stuff like you're out of, you're out of your freaking mind. That's what a, that's what a ground set is for and all that stuff. So, and so forth. But I've never understood, you know, Sal Marchese used to say all the time, why'd you do that? It's already, whether you have a dial to a straight stream or not, it's already a broken stream. Why not just put a, put, put a, put a straight tip on there. Let me ask you thoughts. You've seen them. You see the deck gun on top, pre-piped deck gun or whatever, whatever, pre-piped or not, on the pumper, fog nozzle versus stack tip. Which would you rather see on your fire engine? And you, you all the years in, in, in the Bronx and with everything else. But Right. I mean, all my experience, any place I've been, I've been to a number of different fire departments. Actually, I've been a member of, of four different fire departments, two volunteer, two career. And one of them, if I remember correctly, quite a while ago, uh, had a an adjustable fog straight stream tip on the piped-in deck pipe on the engine. Uh, everybody else had smoothbore tips. Just look at Flyhouse Magazine, look at engineering, look at news clips, L look anywhere you want to go. Look at advertisements for, for apparatus. I don't know if it's a majority, but certainly as as many as many people have uh, smoothbore or stack tips, let's call them, that have adjustable fog straight stream. My, my absolute preference is stack tips for a number of reasons. The first one is obviously the stack tips gives you some flexibility. You can get tremendous reach with a smaller tip. You can get more water with a larger tip, uh, but it's a, it's a solid, a solid bore of water. I think you actually get more gallons per minute. I would say you get more gallons per minute out of a, um, out of a smooth tip off of a deck pipe than out of an adjustable fog straight stream, which as you just said, even when it's in straight stream, 
it's a bit of a hollow, it's a bit of a hollow stream, a donut of water that actually intersects and crosses and then separates again. Uh, I'm not getting too scientific about this because although there's some science behind developing tools and equipment and, and streams and things of that nature, um, we want to try and get as much water we can to where we want to get it. I don't know where we want to get it, but we want to get it there. And, and I think a smooth bore concentrates the water better. I think it gives you a little bit more water at that location. I think it definitely penetrates better. I think you can, I think the stream, no better word than penetrates. I don't need to use a different word. Penetrates right. into the building. You have to go through a window or a doorway or any kind of an opening. I think it penetrates in. I know you can rip, you know, for vacant buildings and buildings that you're demolishing with a stream that are, that are about to collapse. I know it rips roof shingles and siding and things off much better with a straight stream if you're trying to make an opening somewhere to get a stream into. So my personal preference always has been. Having said that, does adjustable fog straight stream work? I mean, obviously the answer is yes. They're not selling these things because they don't work. They're selling them because in, in, in a large number of situations, they do work. I just don't think, number one, the price and the cost of buying one of those versus buying stack tips, which is a fraction of the cost. Right. Same thing with a handheld nozzle. You know, a handheld nozzle smoothbore, a handheld nozzle adjustable fog straight stream, whatever it may be, whether it's transport tip or somebody else, many times more expensive than a smoothbore. And, and testing has to be accomplished on a regular basis and maintenance and things of that nature. I think the same thing applies to the to the master stream adjustable fog straight stream. You know, it, it's a much more difficult, much more expensive, much more labor intensive, much more maintenance intensive piece of equipment than a let's say a set of stack tips. Well, and the other thing too, and and you know, and I'm I'm picturing myself. All right, I'm standing I'm standing next to the pumper with a the fog nozzle, the fog tip, and the stack tips in my right and left hands, right. And I know ISO says you have to have both and all that stuff, which I understand it. So my thing was always with my guys, <coughs> really, if you, if you ever really needed to do that, to change it from maybe stack tips to, all right, grab a spanner wrench, reach in a compartment, and you throw it up to whoever's up there, you jump up there, and it takes, what, seconds to switch it off and put it back on. But if you're going to pull up for speed and efficiency, and like you said, reach, GPM, you know, that that that, that solid – uh, bore nozzle, that solid stream that, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, like you've said forever, you've said, hey, when we get into the smooth versus fog discussion, not argument, but you said, hey, fog nozzle been putting out fires for a long time. You know, just know that when you should, you know, initiate the fight, have it dialed to a straight stream mode. But I want as many of my bullets get into the fire as possible. And I don't want anything blowing off or detract. You've seen it when guys use a master streams, eventually as the stream gets closer, you see parts of it kind of the wind or the heat or whatever, just kind of, it's like, I'm not getting all the water that's coming out of my nozzle to the fire, or I think you got a better shot and get, get more bang for your buck with the, with the smoothbore. And, and, and if you think about it from a master stream perspective now, not a hand line, because a hand line fog tips are, are a little bit more justifiable as a hand line than they are as a master stream. Because one of the primary tactics uh, when using master streams is exposure protection and exposure protection often is, you know, at acute angles, maybe great distances, you're trying to reach maybe the garage behind a house that's really roaring and you're trying to prevent it from getting, or the house to the left, even though it's 20 or 30 or 40 feet away, it's been burning long enough and, and, the, and the, the building that's on fire is, is, is such a volume of fire that, that the house to the left is getting ready to ignite or has just ignited. Obviously, you want that smooth bore tip on that, on that master stream deck pipe on top of your pumper to make sure you can reach that, to make sure you can get water, throw it way out there and 
and and something greater than rain is getting there. You're right. actually going to get a bit of a stream hitting there, not just – and I've seen it, and you've seen it, and anybody who's listening, you've seen it. If you try and use a deck pipe with a, with a Jeffel Fox straight stream in a straight stream position for exposure protection, it is often just delivering a good solid rainstorm to the building next door rather than a stream actually hitting it with, with direct impact. So for that reason alone, that, 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 that's one of the primary purposes of, of deck pipes and, and master streams is to ex protect exposures and knock down fire in buildings that are probably involved. And I think a smooth board does both of those things a little bit better. Well, great point. And the next, next point we need to make here probably just briefly is uh, to our listeners, and we, we've talked about this a bunch of times as well, is got to make sure you know how much water you have. You got to know how much water's in your tank. And, and if you don't go out to the local city park so you're not wasting water in the street, you know, that kind of stuff. If you don't, if you've never dumped your tank through your deck gun and actually, you know, when, you know first of all, just go, you know, and, and not in a hurried approach like you would later, but just pull up, hey, let's see how long it takes us to dump our tank and know what you've got to do that way. You know, so you don't run yourself out of water or you have a, you have a pretty good idea how much I can do with what I've got. You know, 500, 750, those that run 1,000 gallons of water, I'm jealous of you. But those that have 500 and 750 gallons of water, and there are some quints with less, but for those engines, that's a lot of water. That could do a lot of damage if you, if you if, and we'll get to this in a second, about positioning and, and how to get as much as you can without wasting water on the side of a building. John, one of the things, and, and we need to move into positioning here, I saw a guy do this, and I thought, at first I thought it was goofy, and I went, this is a long time ago. And it was, it, was a, it was a firefighter, a driver that was trying to demonstrate to a probie, you know, where his stream from his deck gun is going to go. Like, you know, because you sit there with a deck and you turn it like this, you turn it like that, you turn. All right, that's fine. But you know what he did? He, 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 he spun it, the, 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 the smaller tip down and he took like, like one of their longest hooks, one of their longest pike poles, and he stuck the butt end of it into the, into the end of the deck gun. So he had this eight foot, 10 foot thing out in front of him. And now, you know, for the probie, it gave him a little bit better idea. I know the stream changes and arcs, but you know what I'm saying? Instead of just driving a short thing going now up or down with it, when you extend it, you go, okay, you know, it, and I, I first I looked, I go, what the hell's he doing? And I went, you know, that's, it's not a bad tool for a probie to go, look, you know, instead of just looking at the nozzle down here or the tip and going, I think it will get there a little bit, you know, and I want, you know, kind of goofy to see a, a, a pike pole in the end of a, you know, set of stacked tips, but it, it kind of, you know, gave you a little bit better idea where your water was going to go and so on and so forth. So let, let's talk about positioning, John. We've talked about this in class before. All right. Several key things have to be thought of and have to be considered when you, you're the first 48 engines pulling up and, you, you or your, dry, your driver says, or you say, hey, we're going to get hit this with the deck gun. Let's talk about some of the obstacles and some of the, the reasons, some of the thoughts you're thinking of when it comes to apparatus positioning in order to use your deck gun efficiently. What are you thinking as you're pulling up? You know, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good point. You know, and I went, I went to plenty of jobs when I was in 48 where we used the deck gun. And we had a number of frame buildings. We had actually all different kinds of buildings in the Bronx in, in that, that neighborhood, the Fordham section of the Bronx. Um, 
So, so one day, one day we get this box and it was for a report of a building fire. It, it turned out it was in fact the frame house next to another frame house. And then on both sides of those two frame houses were like tenements, brick buildings. Uh, again, as the neighborhoods grew up, sometimes the houses stayed, sometimes other houses sold and they built a tenement there. But anyway, right. so one of the houses was really going merrily. And obviously it was a 1075 where, you know, we're, we're going to get off the rig and, and pull a line and other companies are on the way. We were pretty close to it, uh, meaning it was close to quarters. And uh, so as we're pulling up, you know, I'm the captain, uh, Willie, Willie Tracy, my chauffeur. Excellent, excellent chauffeur. I've talked about him many times uh, on the air and, and in many other places. Uh, great guy. He was there for a long time. Um, so as we're pulling up to the place, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm fighting this with a, I'm fighting this with a hand line. I'm, I'm going into a three quarter, going into a frame private dwelling, right? So I'm, I'm telling him, okay, Willie, right, right here, stop, stop. And he's not stopping. You've heard this story before. <laughs> Willie, stop. And he's still rolling. I'm like, I, I, I turned to look at him. I'm looking at the building on fire, but now I turn to look at him across the cab. Willie, stop. And he's just looking at me, said, okay, cap. And he rolls like another five feet, maybe longer, and stops. Hits, hits the brake. And I'm like, <sighs> and I jump off the rig. <laughs> You know, the guys are already pulling a line. They beat me to the back step. I'm walking towards the building. I'm on the radio. Now we're, now we're at the front door. We'll get, start water. I get water right away. Willie's right there. And in the meantime, I'm, I see water flying over my head. He, he's got the deck pipe going on the exposed building, which, which was already starting to go, right? I'm not saying I wasn't considering it, but in all the confusion and, and, the, and the rapidity of getting the line in position and getting inside, also I see water flying over. I got my water. Okay, Bleed it out, Tommy. They bleed out the line, face pieces on, and then we go. Fire's out. The building's heavily damaged. The building next door is perfect. Had a little bit of fire on it. They knocked it down. And, and what do I come to find out later on? So when we go pulling up, Willie knew I was going to stretch a line. He knew we were going to do an interior operation. It was fire out a couple of windows, and, and the one side of the building was on fire, which was what was threatening the building next door. But he also knew that he was going to use the deck pipe. I didn't even really know that, but he knew it. And there was a little box truck parked there, and there was a half-assed Bronx tree there. And he knew we had to get past those to be able to use the deck pipe on the building next door. And I was paying no attention to that. I guess he could have quickly explained it to me, but instead he just kept rolling while I kept demanding that he stop. And eventually everything worked out just fine. So the point is, yeah, there, there, could, be, there could be vehicles parked in a way. There could be, you know, shrubbery and trees. And, and there could be all sorts of stuff there. There could be people that, that pull over right there for you to get in. And, and pull right in the way of the deck pipe now. So what's important about the deck pipe and positioning of the deck pipe is you can only do it once. Right. You can do it or you can't do it. You right. can stretch a hose line anywhere you want. Under a truck, over a truck, through a parked car and a hydrant. You can stretch a hose line anywhere you want. Run you around in circles. Pipe, right. Chief can say, get out of there and get into the exposure right now. And you can come out and go into the exposure. But a deck pipe can only be used if you stop somewhere where it's usable, where it has unimpeded access for the stream to flow if you stop with a box truck next to you put it in park and put it in pumps over over you, you, the, the how many times john have you seen in the videos and, and we and we've seen it scenes where mis, misjudge you know they, they misjudge their positioning and you see them trying to like it's like guys that stretch a line that's too short into a into a, 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 a an apartment you know apartment building and the, the fire's blowing out of the back hallway bedroom, but they don't have enough line to get there. And as the fire pushes out the hallway, they hit it. What they're doing is just teasing it, kind of pushing it back down the hallway because they don't have enough. You see these guys where it's like 
guys, you're only, you're only getting a little bit in that window or a little bit in those windows, you know, unless it's bouncing all over the place. Why, if you would have stopped like you, like Willie did for you, if you would have, but if you would have stopped 10 or 15 or 20 feet or 25 feet sooner, we would have a more, like you said, scrub surface for ladder trucks. We talked about that at brass positioning, the best position so you can scrub, you know, the front or are you, are you going to hit the corner so you can do the front and a, and a side part of the building or in the middle where you can go back and forth. The scrub surface is huge. Scrub surface with the deck on is just as important. Like and those said. are the exact same deep. Those are the exact same questions you have to ask you. There's no difference between a towel ladder pulling up and maybe using the bucket and the exterior stream and the elevator stream or an engine pulling up and possibly using the deck pipe. And, and the whole, and the whole problem here is the word possibly. Right. As I said, when I was pulling up, I, I was a pretty experienced captain in the FDNY in a, in a busy engine company. And I wasn't even thinking deck pipe when I was getting off that rig right now. Everybody says you should be thinking everything. You should be doing a 360. You should use all your tools in a toolbox and all this other bullshit, right? But <laughs> in reality, in reality, sometimes you're just thinking, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, get that line, and we're going to put this fire out, right? But luckily, I had a professional, professional firefighting engineer, chauffeur, and he was thinking deck pipe while we were pulling up, even though I wasn't. That's why it's sort of like a teamwork up in the cab, right? Yeah. Your engineer, the guy driving a rig should be thinking just like an officer to some degree. Now, he might say, hey, Cap, hold on. I'm pulling up a little bit. I'm going to use a deck pipe. And that would have been fine, too. It would have made this a less interesting story. But, but that would have been fine, too. But the point is, you know, it's not going to be the, the officer or the nozzle firefighter that's going to be using the deck pipe, probably, right, if it's exposure protection. It's probably going to be an engineer or somebody later arriving person from another engine. But the whole point is that's one of the – that's one of the stumbling blocks with the deck pipe is it's, it's rarely a primary. It's, it's rarely a first attack tool. So sometimes people just pull a rig in, don't even think about position because they know the hose line will go anywhere. And then when they realize, Oh, let me jump up on the deck pipe. Oh crap. This Too, is late. Right. Too late. Well, so we started off talking about when to and when not to, which is a big, big subject. And that's just a tabletop that like you and I said, you just need to sit down and go through all your scenarios. So, they have a lot of stuff up in their file cabinet upstairs in their brain when the time comes to make that choice. You know, we talked about knowing your weapon, knowing your water, how much water you have, smooth versus, you know, a stack tip versus fog on there. And then pulling up an apparatus positioning is huge, is huge. While we're talking about positioning, John, one of the things you and I have talked about in class before that seems to be missing on a lot of the newer pumpers, all right, is is a very key and in, in, in important, if you want to call it a, a, a device, an appliance, whatever, in that piping, okay? Now, I know a lot of the newer deck guns have a crank. You can crank. They've had for years. You can go up. You can go back. You know, in its resting position, you pull the pin, and you can you can raise, you know, there's that pipe. You can raise it up a little bit higher, whatever you have to do, and so on and so forth. But, one, you know, one of the, one of the problems is, and, and, and we can walk through this, is when you're missing – that ball valve or that gate valve between, between the pump, if you will, you know, right below, like, you know, right below the pump and your deck gun, you're kind of hamstringing yourself. Are you not? We talked about this in class before. Let's, let's talk to three man, three person engine, three man engine that you talked about earlier, which is the majority of the, there's some with two, there's some with four or five, but the majority, if you've done the studies, folks are three person engines. So you pull up, you have a driver, you have an officer, let's say, Let's say Captain Salka gets off. He's going to do a quick 360. Just a couple look. You got a firefighter, and you got this thing going. Well, without that valve, 
now I have to use pretty much two people out of my three instead of, instead of, and, and I want you to talk about the valve in a second, instead of you jumping off as the, the company officer and doing a quick little 360 or a little left to right, whatever you got to do, your driver get, you know, putting a pump, everything he's got to do. And now your firefighter gets off and is stretching a dry line to the do front door. You can't do that when you don't have that ball valve or that gate valve in that piping, you know, just below your deck gun because, and I want you to talk about that, John, in the absence of having that ball or gate valve, what has to happen for you to use the deck gun when you don't have right. one there? Right. And, and, and obviously, I mean, most of, most of my career, and, and if I remember correctly, somebody said, I think, I think there's, uh, you know, portable, removable deck guns, multiversals that are coming out now that are being manufactured now that, that do, in fact, have a shut off. Yeah. Okay, a quarter turn valve or, or a crank valve, right? Um, most of my career, they didn't have it. And, and we just added it. I mean, 48 engine, 45 engine, where I retired as a, as a battalion chief, the, the engine that was in quarters where I was. Um, they had an old brass crank valve that they actually inserted between the, the, the red steel of the pipe after the, after the, after the pipe, you know, made its turns and, and between that and the stream shaper, uh, that's where they had a little valve and it was always turned off so they could quickly, you know, obviously let's go back to that same exact situation I was at earlier when I pulled up with Willie to that, uh, to that frame that yeah. was going good, right? I hop off the rig with my firefighter. We're, we're going right to stretch. We're stretching immediately. A small crew like that, the officer's probably going to be required to assist with the stretch, right? Right. So they are stretching a line. With no valve on that rig, now the engineer, if he really wanted to use that, is going to have to climb up there first. Most of them are, are locked in position facing forward, maybe down against, a, against a, a support rod or something like that. They're going to have to go up there, loosen it up, swing it up, swing it towards the building, right? And then lock it in and then climb back down and charge that deck pipe. The first 10 seconds, 15 seconds of water out of that deck pipe, there's going to be nobody up there directing it. It's just going to be locked in towards the building, wherever he locked it before he climbed down to turn it on. And most and of it's going to be on the, most of it. it's going to be on the ground too, because when he has it's to slowly, crank up his, slowly fills up. Yeah. When he has to crank his RPMs up, it's going to hit the ground up the building. You're losing water. So right. go ahead. So, so it's an awful, it's an awful waste of water and time and energy and, and firefighting resource when you do that. Add now a valve, add a quarter turn ball valve to that, to that same exact piece of, piece of equipment. And now captain and the firefighter off the rig, starting to stretch a hose line. They call for water, you give it to them. Then you immediately climb up there. I mean, or you charge it first, excuse me. Then the engineer charges the deck pipe, boom, it's charged, nothing's happening. He climbs up, loosens up all the controls, swings it around, and when he gets it right to where he thinks he wants it, Quarter turn ball valve, he can open it very quickly because it's a quarter turn rather than a crank, right? Rather than a wheel. And all of a sudden, boom, he's got water. The captain yells to him, Willie, Willie, give me more pressure right now. We're losing pressure. Now, now he can crank that thing down, even shut it down if he wants to, and drop down, jump down real quick and manage that, manage that hand line if he wants to. Or however else he wants to do it. He might just be protecting your exposure for 20 seconds and then shut it down and forget about it for the rest of the job. But that 20 seconds of deck pipe, might make the difference between two buildings being on fire and one. At that oh, and, 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 whether, and someone dying or not, too. I mean, it's, you know, you, you know, some of those buildings are pretty deep, and, and that deck gun is going to do nothing more than put out several rooms of fire in the front end of the building. Well, you've got people in the back part of the building getting their ass whooped with heat and smoke before you can get in there. 
But I, I love that scenario. We've talked about that because you said if you don't have the valve, and let's say that you pull up that three three person engine, the captain gets off doing a size up, firefighter stretch, you want to stretch line, but you know what? I actually, John, jump up there real quick. Let's hit this thing. You know, I'm going to, you know, are you ready? Open it up and I'm going to start cranking. And now you're up there doing your thing. It's like a two person operation or your chauffeur, your driver, your engineer is jumping up and down, up and down, you know, that kind of stuff doing that. Where, like you said, if you've got that valve, you've got that gate valve, that ball valve in there, you pull up, you know, your firefighters, God, they're stretching. He or she's stretching a line to the door. You're doing your size up. I got it in pump. I crank it up to what I do. I climb up there. Like you always said, I take my baseball cap. I turn around backwards like, like Johnny Bench. <laughs> I, I, I swing this thing around. I open up. And if you've got your RPMs already cranked up, you lose very little water in the street, the sidewalk, on the side of the building. You get that little pop, poof, and boom, in you go. You're doing it. You're rocking and rolling. You're using your crew to the best of your ability. You're getting the best bang for your, your, your buck. And, again, positioning, everything else, being able to get that thing where you got to go. Well, we could talk about those blitz. I like those blitz fire tacks, the little ones that are mounted to the back of the pump where you could take off and throw between an exposure and a, and a, and a building that's on fire or in a gangway or whatever, that kind of stuff. But just Now, just, you mentioned water already, correct? Did you already mention? Did we already talk about the amount of water you're carrying with you to the fire? Well, we, we did. I, at the very beginning, Just we just mentioned knowing how much, how, what you have for bullets, what you have for ammunition, but go ahead. Right. And, and obviously that's obviously that's another variable, right? I mean, there are plenty of departments in suburban and rural areas, but but in suburban areas as well that are carrying a thousand gallons of water on, on an ordinary ordinary pumper, not a tanker pumper, nothing special with a tandem rear or anything like that. An ordinary pumper with a thousand gallons of water or twelve fifty—that's a lot of water. That's a lot of water for a handline. That's a lot of water for a, for a first alarm, first in engine company at a house fire. Um, so that's one issue. If you, if you want to start deploying or using, as I said, you're protecting an exposure. Your, your engineer is protecting the exposure with your deck pipe, and you're stretching in the front door with the hand line. Now we've got two outlets, you know, drawing off the same source, right? So the water's going to go down even faster. So how much water you have is important. If you're riding around with a 500 or 750-gallon tank, now we're getting pretty close to saying, I'm not sure if you can even use your deck pipe if you're going to go in with a hand line. You might, right, have to, right. you might have to stretch with a hand line to the front door, call for water, bleed it, hit the house next door real quick, darken it real, and, and, and then dive inside and, and hope that that doesn't reignite while you're inside or, you know, hopefully somebody else arrives with another hose line. So how much you carry is one limiting factor with water. And the other limiting factor is, now there could be companies that, that only carry 500 that can easily use the deck pipe. Why? Because their staffing is good. Because they stop at a hydrant on the way in. They right. lay a line down the block. By the time they hit the break in front of the building, the water's at the back step at the hose clamp. And, and the fourth guy that they dropped off at the hydrant is joining the team at the front door. Now they have unlimited, you know, municipal water supply, even though they're only riding around with 500. So there, there are several ways that or, – or you have a place that maybe only has three or four people on a rig, but they got a lot of companies. And a second engine is in in a minute and a half. And they know if they start using water right away, a minute and a half later, the second engine is going to lay a line into them with a similar similar positive result with water. So there's usually not one factor that limits you. It's usually a couple of different things. A couple of There's usually a couple of different ways that you can solve a problem. And and a water problem can be solved in a number of ways. Like I said, either, either carrying enough water around or having somebody, you know, a good municipal hydrant system that when you're on your way in, you're dropping a line and – and by the time they're pulling a line off, your supply line is charged. You know, wait, wait, and, and we've said this. We've said this plenty of times. It's about knowing the enemy, 
which is your building. You know, the fire is the ammunition the buildings use, but knowing the enemy, we, we, we could just combine them here, the fire in the building, and knowing your weapon. Know, know how many bullets you have in the gun, which is, which is your water, and knowing how quick you're going to go through that ammunition with what you're trying to do tactically, you know, to, to the situation that presents it. And water supply is huge, knowing what you've got and making that decision, you know. Again, on the way in, if you're th you turn the corner and go, uh, you pull, as you're pulling up, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't forward lay in, or you didn't know, or whatever, that that may. If you only have 500 gallons of water, I'm re I'm really not going to probably. This is just me. I'm not going to stretch inside, knowing that I have a deck gun at so many gallons of water per minute. That even if he only gives it a quick, you know, he's already he's going to throw half of it into the building before I even get in there. Right. And if I have that much fire to begin with, that I'm thinking about using a deck gun, I don't know if I want to commit yet. Like you said, lots of ways to fix water problems. If you're thinking, I need water. Now, now here's another little story. Uh, where I live up here in Orange County in New York State in the Hudson Valley, the city of Newburgh is here. It's a municipal department. It's a small urban area. Um, Good firefighters. Great, great firefighters. Fires, you know, just about every day over there. Um, and, and, they, and they run light. You know, they run with three people. They, you know, I think, I think they occasionally run with more. But And if I remember correctly, if I'm remembering, as, as I was uh, told, so, so they're rolling in on a fire. Obvious fire, you know, bunch of calls, they see smoke, whatever. Um, they stop at a hydrant on the way in. This is what I'm told, right? They get a big ring, a big metal ring, supposedly, at the back of the engine on the female coupling of the supply line, along with, along with the tools that they would need at the, uh, at the hydrant. And, and the, what the firefighter does is they stop at the hydrant, he runs around to the back, he grabs that ring, and he just drops it over the hydrant. You don't, have to, you don't have to key the hydrant and put the hose under or on top or none of that. You just or have to throw, throw that ring around the hydrant, and the rig takes off. Now the rig has an engineer and a captain in it, and they're driving down the block towards the fire. The only firefighter on the rig is now standing at the hydrant. And what's he doing it? He's quickly testing it. He's quickly connecting to it, and he quickly turns the water on. They do, I, again, if I'm misrepresenting this or I don't have this right, it might be, might be an old story, but it certainly makes perfect sense to me. And he, and he quickly charges that line. And as soon as they stop in front of the fire building, the engineer uses a hose clamp. Hose clamp really turns into the hydrant. Well, right? it, it shouldn't, shouldn't you, if you're ever doing, I was always taught, John, if you ever are doing a forward lay, hydrant to the fire, you, if you're the driver, when you set that part, you put in, you know, set the part, put in pump gear, you jump off wheel chocks. The very first thing you do is put a hose clamp on that sucker. That's right. You know. And that's why most places carry it right at the back of the rig, right on the back step. And what you, what a hose clamp really is, is a hydrant, right? You right. turn the hydrant. So now the hydrant's down a block. But once you turn the water on, you put a hose clamp. Now the hydrant's at the back step. Right. So right. now the engineer can finish doing what he's doing. And he doesn't have to test the hydrant or nothing, right? Because he's got a good hydrant down the block. They're pulling the first line. Where's that firefighter? He's making his way up the block. Captain's probably pulling the line, going to the front door. They, they, they get back together at the front door. They're ready to go. This engineer connects the, connects the coupling of that line to, to his intake, slowly opens or lifts that, that hose clamp. Now they got engine in position in front of the building, dedicated water supply from the hydrant before they even go in, and they don't have to wait to go in. But, but before they go in, he's ready to go with water. They could be carrying 23 gallons of water if they want. And unless, they, unless they're protecting an exposure before they go in, they're in good shape. Or if they do have 500 gallons of water, they could protect an exposure and not say, oh, my God, I'm going to run out of water. I only have 500 gallons. No. The guy who's got the nozzle already turned the hydrant on three minutes ago and, and ran down the block to the building. So 
sort of as primitive as that might be, because it's a career department and they're understaffed and overworked and everything else, it still works. And it still puts a priority on what? Water, water, water. Getting the water there sufficiently early. Got to get the water there sufficiently early. It's got to be enough volume of water and it's got to get there in time to use, right? Well, another great weapon of choice, um, not as used as much as I think it could be. But again, I think the key out of everything we talked about, we, and we, we, I think we brought up some great points, John. I think the key is the tabletop sitting at the firehouse and talking through all your different scenarios like we do all the time. You know, we did, we did it uh, the other night at, at Wichita West. We just sat around. We talked tactics. We talked lines. We talked how much water and all that. And because, and you know, the guy or gal that's got 20 years with your department is sitting there going, they're nodding going, yeah. But that brand new guy or gal is going, you know, I've never heard this before. I've always wondered, you know, we train at the one time. You know, it, it was, I think sometimes we forget how invaluable some of the basics, some of that information that we kind of play off is kind of, uh, everybody knows that, that new person, John and Rick, when they were first starting out that, you know, someone told us or we picked up on it is key. So great topic, buddy. Great job. Great, great, great topic. Right. Hey, if they want to get a hold of you, what email, buddy? Chief John Salter at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. I want to thank you again for tuning in and, and listening to Old School with us, uh, whether you're doing on uh, – our YouTube channel or Spotify or iTunes or whatever. We appreciate you. Uh, we end all of our, all of our episodes um, with, 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 with asking you to please keep the men and women uh, in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And right now, uh, especially more than ever, please keep the men and women in our law enforcement family in your thoughts and prayers. They're facing some really tough times. And, 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 and just keep in mind, folks, we say this again, uh, every episode, never forgetting, means just that, never forgetting. Be safe. God bless you. We'll catch you next time. Bye.